listeners, and welcome to the NK News Podcast. I am your host, Jacko Zwetslut. Today, it is the evening of Monday, the 15th of November in Seoul, and I'm joined via Zoom by Professor Tatiana Gabrosenko to talk about North Korean cultural production. Before we get started, I'd like to remind all of you listeners, please, to leave a review about this podcast wherever you can. You might wonder why I always ask you to do this. It's so that people can discover our podcast more easily. And no reviews means that the all-powerful algorithm pushes us down the internet podcast rabbit hole into the abyss of ignorance, and no new people will ever listen to us. So please do leave a review. And while you're at it, please share this podcast with everyone you know and three people you don't. I would love to reach 1% of Joe Rogan's audience by year's end. I know that I initially said 10% of Joe Rogan's audience, but I've decided to set my sights a little bit more realistically. Secondly, check out nknews.org and consider buying a year's subscription. It provides all the wonderful journalistic articles that you could possibly hope to read. And for a year's subscription, it's only a dollar a day. Thirdly, have you looked at the 2022 NK News wall calendar? These are photos taken in North Korea by non-North Korean photographers. There are only 850 available for purchase, so stocks will run out. It's a great limited edition gift idea for Christmas, which is just around the corner. You can get your hands on a North Korea war calendar right now at the nknews.org backslash shop website. Also, if you have any feedback, questions, or guest recommendations, do please send them to podcast at nknews.org. Now, to introduce today's guest properly, Professor Tatiana Gabrusenko is a professor of North Korean studies at Korea University. She also writes articles for NK News about North Korean culture. The most recent one was entitled, Too Good to be True, North Korean Films That Double as Propaganda for the South, published on November 12th this year. She was last on the show just about three years ago in November 2018 on episode 47. So welcome back on the show, Tatiana. Uh, hello. Yeah. Uh, you have been studying North Korean culture for many years now, more than 10 years. Does North Korean culture undergo trends or cycles? Yeah, sure it is. Uh, it is undergoing any just trends and cycles according to uh, political urges uh, or ideological changes or uh, rather, uh, probably most of all, uh, the personalities of the leaders. Uh, uh-huh. they- these are the people who actually define uh, what is to present, what is to film, or what to write in North Korea, the personalities of the leader. Right. Uh, this is what I can say about it. Mm-hmm. And what kind of trend or cycle is currently uh, influencing North Korean culture? North Korean culture is recently undergoing a change of uh, reverse to more conservative cycle. That's what I can say about uh, the new trend, which I noticed in the last five uh, years, mm-hmm. uh, five or six years, uh, Kim Jong-un, who began, uh, who started his leadership of uh, North Korean uh, culture as the new uh, person, as the young person with the idea of uh, some new, uh, ch- just of some changes, uh, he eventually apparently has chosen to return to this more conservative uh, trend now. And I believe that this is not to do with his maturity, 
uh, as the person, but rather with probably with his maturity as the political leader, probably he uh, understands that what was going before is more suitable for the country, uh, more suitable for political leadership, and probably uh, fit better to North Korean mentality. That's that's what I believe. Uh, he's doing now. So return reverse to more mobiliz uh, mobilizational mode of North Korea from those uh, patterns of uh, increased consumerism, which we see in uh, the first five years of his leadership. So when you say uh, it's more conservative than before, really, you're saying it's uh, uh, like the period of his father or, or of his grandfather, in a way? His father, his father. Okay. Uh, because his father in 1990s, he, after uh, the period of the RDS March, uh, yeah. during the period of the RDS March, he uh, had to slightly retreat from the relaxation of the 80s, mm. uh, which uh, actually uh, the period when North Korea underwent the period of relative liberalization, yeah. uh, relaxation, general relaxation, more consumerist mode of uh, culture, but apparently the new uh, political urges, political needs required more strict, more mobilizational mode of uh, culture, which was uh, something corresponding with the mode uh, of uh, Kim Il-sung in Cholima era. That's something like that. Yeah, and uh, then uh, after after Kim Jong-un took power at first, he seemed to retreat from uh, this military first uh, mode of uh, this, his father's uh, cultural politics and uh, begin to more relaxed, uh, more uh, liberalized mode uh, of North Korean uh, culture. But it seems that uh, he is now getting more conservative, uh, mm. just turning to uh, the previous mode of uh, which his father promoted. Now, uh, despite that uh, sort of conservative turn, certainly we've seen uh, some methods of uh, cultural reproduction uh, experiencing uh, renovation uh, or innovation or updating. Uh, for example, uh, there's now, of course, the intranet in North Korea and people can read books on North Korean produced tablets and even on uh, cell phones and computer graphics are used uh, when making television programs and film production quality seems to have uh, improved quite a bit. Have you seen any innovation in the content even despite this conservative turn? Uh, you know, it's a really interesting, really interesting combination which we see now. On the yeah. one hand, uh, North Korean uh, leadership apparently is trying to be more modern in terms of uh, all these um, media forms. Uh, yeah. Indeed, there are more uh, more interest to graphic novels, uh, more interest to shorter film production, not to the films of Kim Jong-un's era uh, when uh, films were lengthy, uh, you know, Lancy and two hour films of Ri Chung-gu style, uh, mm -hmm. the favorite filmmaker of Kim Jong-un's era, they were typical. Now the films are getting short, uh, more TV dramas uh, emerge instead of uh, Lancy films. Uh, the same can be said about audio books. Now I noticed that the audio books, which oh. are now more uh, produced, more now just um, which are produced now, they are 
more of uh, shorter uh, shorter short stories rather than big novels yeah uh, the same can be said about films most uh, films now are either a tv serial or uh, just brief 40 minutes 14 minutes um uh, just satiric films mm. um, something that they had uh, in 1970s uh, just but they this were purely propaganda films now they are more uh, it's just a shortening, uh, the shortening, more concise forms of films, apparently, because the, uh, the films supposed, uh, the audience supposed to uh, be just express more interest in shorter forms, apparently. Right. Uh, the same can be said about uh, the other forms, but what is more? Uh, simultaneously with that, we see that the content is getting more conservative. And this is the really strange combination because... Uh, what we see now, for example, this uh, radio plays, uh, the genre which uh, now seems to renovate in North Korea, it's just an old genre, uh, seems to be this, uh, just vintage genre, but North Korea is now thriving. Uh, all these uh, ideas of, of um, you know, cult veneration of the leader, and these are all uh, going through this uh, new, or through this old uh, genre of uh, radio plays. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a really interesting combination. Just if we look, for example, at this uh, contemporary novels in North Korea, big novels, uh, they are lesser, they're less involved in this uh, practice of veneration of the leader, but uh, this radio plays, they uh, glorify the new figure uh, in their traditional way. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is, uh, this is what we can see. And uh, the same about uh, the other forms. Uh, this, um, uh, for example, the concert for, for big uh, celebrations, they also becoming, on the one hand, they becoming more just brighter colors, uh, more uh, posh decorations, but simultaneously very conservative forms. Uh, just, uh, you know, the skirt, uh, the length of skirts uh, of, um, uh, of the singers, mm. uh, this is a typical sign because the more bond bands, these girls with spark in sparkle, uh, sparkle dresses, yeah. short dresses, they disappeared, practically mm. disappeared from North Korean screens. Now this is more uh, about uh, this conservative dresses, this pochonbo yeah. period. Uh, they seem to come back, uh, mm. you know, all this all the things. So these new forms, uh, these new forms or renewed forms, uh, but very conservative, more conservative uh, content. That's that's what we can say. Okay. You you mentioned audio books. Uh, I think is that right? Mm -hmm. Now, yes. how are audio books distributed in North Korea? Do do people buy them on on a CD-ROM or are they distributed through the intranet? I don't know actually. I just only find them. A lot of them on just North Korean sites, uh, such as Udiminjokiri uh, and yeah. the other, uh, the other things they publish. Uh, they publish all these uh, materials, all these classic novels, the best novels are there, and they renew it almost every day. So it means that they are produced somewhere, and I'm sure that they are not for the foreign audience only, yeah. uh, because it's a big job, and I'm sure that it's somewhere inside the country too, it could be produced, um, you know, they, it could be sold or produced or go somewhere. Right. Yeah, uh, so uh, this is what I can say.
And the uh, the radio plays that you mentioned, are they normally uh, single episode radio plays or are they long running series? It depends, you know, it depends. Some of them are really short. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of them are really short, especially those which are devoted to this veneration of the leader. It's just yeah. about 25, 27 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, one episode is just one, uh, uh, the same pattern, starting with the same music, and they describe some particular episode of um, some glorious uh, activity of Kim Jong-un, ah. uh, his uh, some activity. But some uh, plays, they are uh, like serial uh, yeah. they are going they're repeating uh just in five or four or five chapters uh probably for um, producing day after day mm -hmm. uh, many of them are not related to activity of kim jong-un but rather to some uh interesting episodes uh relating to uh japanese uh you know there's the japanese uh, uh, colonial period and no not not the no. colonial period it's just Japanese uh, cultural espionage, if you want. <laughs> cultural espionage, oh. Yes, yes, espionage. So this uh, Japanese who wants to steal something from Koreans, ah. uh, you know, some classic music, uh, just some uh, classic Korean music, for example, but the mm -hmm. good guys do not uh, do not allow them to do that, mm. etc. Et so uh, this is just kind of action uh, activity and just uh, interesting thing. Uh, or some um, activists, uh, some, um, some plays which are set in South Korea, are also with some element of action, some element of, um, you know, interesting things. Uh, so these are normally Lancia. Mm -hmm. uh, lengthy uh, things and I noticed that the year of production the year of productions are really really new uh, very few of them uh, which are now which can be now found in North Korean sources uh, were produced before Kim Jong-un's time mm -hmm. uh, okay. of them are really really recent 2000 and yeah. uh, 2020 2021 uh, so very recent uh, forms do any of these uh, radio plays mention the uh, the COVID virus at all? No, or COVID no. pandemic. No, 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 no. Oh, it's okay. all you know. It's all paradise like, you know, yeah. paradise like uh, life of Kim Jong Un, uh, just right. Kim Jong Un's career. No, uh, nothing like that. Now, as we have reported here at uh, NK News, the North Korean leadership seems to be quite concerned about cultural infiltration from the outside world and especially South Korea. How mm -hmm. does North Korea uh, try to compete with South Korean culture? You know, they do it in quite wise way, I would like to say. Mm. Uh, so what they do and they try to appropriate uh, the patterns of South Korean cinema, patterns of South Korean music uh, or South Korean beauty standards, whatever. So just appropriation. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what it is. And uh, you can find this uh, trace of South Korean influence in a lot of uh, in a lot of movies, in a lot of ways. Uh, so that is what they're doing. Uh, so without referring to this, to their source of inspiration, of course. Right. Uh, but this this influence is apparent here. Yeah. So do they appropriate South Korean culture both in uh, the form and the content? Uh, of course, the form. Uh, the form. I mean that the forms uh, they 
apparently they're doing, you know, for example, this action movies. Yeah. It's, uh, if we look again, if you look back, it's, it's quite traditional practice in North Korea. Uh, so something started from 1980s and uh, mm-hmm. 1990s. Uh, so this introduction of action movies, for example, the introduction of uh, some things which can be easily, you know, which parallels can be easily found in South Korean, uh, in South Korean films, some, uh, you know, some uh, bloody episodes of mm. Korean, uh, you know, some bloody scenes of South Korean movies, they uh, they can be found in South in North Korean uh, works too. Mm. Uh, so more dynamics, more brighter colors, spontaneity. Uh, one of the things which uh, actually uh, interesting, which I noticed recently, that uh, the way how North Korean media uh, materials, uh, some not purely fiction or culture uh, produced, but this the way how they. Uh, present the news, for example, not oh. not this news like information, just brief, short information, but uh, some um, uh, you know some introductory um, introductory things about uh, some events of Korean history or uh, some traveling around the country or, yeah. or something like that. I have noticed that many of them uh, actually. Uh, can be paralleled with South Korean way of presenting this. Mm. Uh, this is more, uh, this is freer talk. Uh, people who love, people who can be, uh, you know, whose voice is not that regular and soft and a lot of laughter, for example. Yes. A lot of laughter, uh, a little bit nervous <laughs> yeah. in my, uh, just in my opinion, because it's not uh, the strict a strict fixed form of uh, traditional North Korean right. presentations, but a more emotional uh, spontaneity, etc., yeah. etc. Et so this is what we can see now uh, in uh, North Korean, uh, just the influence of South Korean, uh, South Korean parents. Yeah. And uh, in some films, for example, uh, this is not very recent film, but uh, it caught my opinion because uh, my, my attention because. Um, yeah, this film of 2012, uh, Sun. Uh, uh, so it was. It was called this, uh, the the village behind this mountain. That's that's mm-hmm. how it is. Uh, so this uh, Sun no Momali, That's how it was called. Uh-huh. Uh, so this is very interesting film because the film touches the events of Korean War, yeah. uh, Korean War, and uh, normally the presentations of Korean war in Korean uh, culture in North and South Korean culture, they were radically different because Mm. in South Korea, uh, this is more emotional, individual stories, uh, very sentimental with lots of drama uh, and lots of uncertainty, so to speak. In North Korea, it was very clear cut, uh, ideological paradigm, just epic struggle of of uh, this uh, vice of North Korea against evil of the South, etc. So, or some heroic battle like in the mode of uh, Wormido, yeah. uh, famous North Korean movie of 1980s. And now in this new film, we see uh, a big, big um, you know, a big moving toward, uh, toward drafting toward um, South Korean pattern. Uh, South Korean pattern because the war first was presented as uh, again, this division of Korea was presented through the romantic division between two people, you know, the girl from the north and yeah. the, bar, the boy from the south. 
extremely overdramatic, extremely uh, like uh, reminded strongly South Korean drama mm-hmm. with all these big, uh, you know, big tears, uh, just uh, eyes, etc. Uh, so the heroine eventually, when the heroes uh, eventually unite uh, after the war, but she is of course dying in hospital. Come on, oh, it's yeah. so much like South Korean. This when I saw this hospital pajamas on mm-hmm. this South Korean North Korean heroine, I yeah. understood North Korean South Korea is near. Uh, yes, the characters who are kissing a hot, uh, just in very hot way after all this separation for more than 20 years. So they're old, they're gray-haired, but they yep. kiss like, uh, you know, like young lovers. Mm. Again, very improbable way, very un-North Korean way, but mm. still um, this really interesting. And even more important thing is just the presentation, the same victimization of uh, Koreans during this Korean war. Uh, before South Koreans, uh, North Koreans never presented themselves as victims of this war, rather the mm. heroes, uh, they were just it's a victory, war is the victory, uh, we are the heroes, our leader is the best, and period, and very clear cut pattern. Now you see very emotional, very uncertain, uh, you know, all this uh, very individualized um, story, just individual tragedies, individual, uh, just very uh, emotional, very emotional. uh, Small scale stories based on one person or a family. Exactly. And what is more, even stronger, um, uh, just the stronger shock to me was uh, when the hearing who's trying to, uh, she is the doctor, kind of the doctor who is, you know, curing uh, Korean, uh, curing uh, sick people during this um, uh, Korean war. Mm. And she is using, she's presenting in very traditional way of, uh, you know, this playing with this idea of traditionalist, traditional medicine uh, with all this concoctions, etc., uh, etc. Et so, very a big retreat from uh, the previous North Korean pattern of uh, progressive thinking with, uh, with this Western medicine, ah, yeah. etc. Et and this old, very uh, beautiful uh, Ariran, and it, it's all, of course, under the sounds of Ariran music. Right. Something that you would, uh, before you would find in the films uh, set deep in historical past of Korea. Yeah. But now this is the same story. The same paradigm is uh, translated into this Korean war story. Right. And the other thing is the, the body images. Uh, this is what, uh, what actually surprised me a lot. This is not surprised me, but, uh, you know, gave me some hint uh, again on where the influence came from. And this hearing, it's a new actress. Uh, her name is uh, Ri Hyun Suk. Uh, I have never seen her in the other films of North Korea, uh, recently even in the short film. So she's somehow uh, a passing uh, character. I haven't mm. seen her at least. And her body image is very different from what we see in traditional Korean, uh, in cr- traditional North Korean films. Uh, she is, um, you know, she's the same type of, a big nose girl, yeah. you know, uh-huh. of course, pretty, but a big nose with the sharp face features, facial mm-hmm. features. 
So this, uh, this same sharp featured uh, character, characters we see uh, two times in North Korean uh, history of North Korean cinema. First, it was Moon Yebun, uh, the star of early years of North Korea, this actress who, actress who began her acting career in Japan. Mm. And apparently she was, uh, you know, with this big nose, <laughs> you know, this is very Japanese style, um, you know, style beauty. Uh, so the sharp features and a little bit bigger nose than normal uh, for Koreans. Uh, so this Moon Yebun, uh, the actress who was uh, known in the early North Korean cinematography. Then the same uh, big features, big sharp nose. Uh, this is the uh, Chan Sung-hee. Uh, the uh, actress who uh, emerged in North Korean screen uh, in 1980s uh, in this famous uh, work Saran Saran Nesaran. Uh, so this is Korean version of Korean, Korean version of, of uh, Chun Hyun Jun, mm -hmm. a story of Chun Hyun. Uh, so again, the actress who was um, you know she, she always symbolized this uh, this. Uh, new uh, strange kind of beauty uh, though in this film she plays the role of uh, korean uh, typically korean uh, beauty but still uh, her face is very atypical uh, very atypical not uh, reminding us the some some classic beauty of umiran uh, with her very small uh, accurate features uh, so this is this uh, big nose actress <laughs> you know uh -huh. and we, we now see another one Another one, uh, apparently the thing is that uh, it's strong influence, I think, uh, of Japanese uh, of, of Japanese aesthetics and South Korean aesthetics as well. Uh, so uh, this is pretty, but by not by North Korean standards. Before. Right. So this is uh, this big nose actress, another one. Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, do you expect that uh, Kim Jong-un himself would have some kind of direct influence or control over the uh, casting choices of which actors and actresses play in, in North Korean movies? I'm not sure about this particular case, especially because mm -hmm. the film was made in 2012. So mm. apparently it was, it began, the work began in, uh, you know, under his father. But right. I'm sure that it was not his, uh, his influence. And that was probably the attempt of his father to, a little bit renew North Korean, um, North Korean uh, scene uh, with the new images, new uh, mood, uh, make it more, you know, more, make it more sentimental and dramatized, and yeah. uh, you know, with this little bit of touch of foreign, uh, slightly foreign features, etc. I'm not sure. I'm. I do not know whether it's. Uh, the case or not, but I noticed that the faces of these new actresses, they now in North Korea, they are slightly different yeah. from what we see in uh, in the time of uh, Kim Jong Il, yeah. uh, the time of Kim Jong Il, and uh, especially and the previous uh, the previous decade, uh, you know, 1960s and 70s. Yeah, it's slightly different uh, features. Uh, mm. Yes, the characters, the heroines are now slimmer. Uh, again, it must be, I think, the influence of South Korean, um, of South Korean uh, uh, beauty standards, photography, beauty, beauty standards, because yeah. North Korean actresses they tended to be a little bit plumber. Right. Uh, yes, the soft features, etc. Now they seem to be more like uh, South Korean, uh, yeah. just influenced by South Korean beauty standards. 
Yes. So now, how does the uh, the North Korean state uh, try to discourage its citizens from consuming South Korean cultural products? Uh, so it's not. Uh, I, I'm not sure about this discouragement of particular. Uh, particular cultural products, but what we can say that, of course, uh, it is the part of the bigger game of dissuading of South Korea, following South Korean uh, mode of life, way of life, etc., etc. Of course, some things uh, can be. Uh, so they, there are such, such things, for example, as poking fun at South Korean hairstyles. Mm. Uh, so this uh, strange colors uh, or some, you know, some uh, parrot-like, uh, you know, this ways of, you know, of clothes, etc., etc. But this is normally, uh, I think it's uh, just an occasional thing. And North Koreans, they don't even... Uh, discuss this widely, uh, this following of South Korean parent, but rather is dissuading uh, from accepting South Korean mode of life, life uh, in general. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what you can say. Yeah, and uh, because presenting it as something which is not not North Korean, not Korean in general, because just in the larger yeah. mode, it's it's not a Korean way. Uh, it's the way which is influenced, supposedly influenced by the foreign countries, uh, Americanized, uh, Japanized, whatever, but not Korean way. Does the South Korean culture present a danger to North Korea? Sure, sure, it presents a danger to Korea, to North Korea. Yeah. Why is that? Because I think it undermines the very legitimacy of North, North Korean identity, uh, North Korean regime, North Korean way of life, because uh, they are attractive, uh, they are rich, uh, and they live such a uh, such an easy life. So yeah. why all these sacrifices? Why all this leader, uh, just cult of the leader, etc., etc.? Why on us we should follow? Uh, we should live this way uh, if this uh, lights are. Uh, so bright uh, there so people of course they will choose this brighter lights yeah uh, so scary it's it's just natural uh, natural for people especially for young people who need something new who need uh, some uh, new experience and this brighter colors more action more fun more entertainment etc etc so it's a kind of temptation Yes, sure. This yeah. is a temptation. This is what we can see when North Koreans and South Koreans are contrasted in North Korean films or works of art. It's always a motif of temptation of some, uh, like, you know, like poisonous fruit or yeah. poisonous, uh, bright poisonous flower, which could be very attractive, but it's dangerous. It uh, bears, uh, it bears uh, some danger inside, some poison inside. That's, that's what it is. Now, uh, th therefore, does the North Korean government see consumption of its own cultural products as an important way to reinforce loyalty to the state? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes, you know, when I look at North Korean cultural products, as you know, of course, I'm a, a, a fan of uh, North Korean comic books. I find them very interesting. But North Korean novels, North Korean films, it's difficult to call them entertaining in the way that we are used to in the Western world. Um, sometimes I imagine that might be the same for, for North Koreans too. How does the North Korean government encourage its people to consume its cultural output? Does it try to make it entertaining? Uh, 
Yeah, sure. But on the one hand, of course, this is kind of uh, reinforcement uh, because, uh, for example, uh, North Koreans, until re very recently at least, they were uh, expected to learn the new, uh, the new songs by heart and attend uh, these new films. Uh, in the cine just uh, in cinema, uh, some encouragement of some collective uh, of some collective uh, visits uh, to this uh, to the cinema theaters, or uh, just until recently, again there were some uh, special uh, profession in North Korea of distribution of books, a distributor mm. of books. Uh, very interesting film we had in North Korea in 1986, uh, which was uh, called The Three Girls from a Snowy Mountain, uh, from the Snowy Mountain, kind of that. Uh, so this is this, uh, this story about three girls who worked as uh, the distributors of books. And mm. uh, the film is really interesting because it shows us all this uh, cultural uh, policy, how they, uh, this North Korean government encouraged people to read all these uh, novels, people. Yeah. Uh, so the girl, they actually come to people, they, they bring this new book, they almost uh, forcibly force mm. them to read, even yeah. if the person would say, no, I have no time, I'm sorry, I'm uh, just chief accountant in this, <laughs> in this uh, place right now, I have lots of uh, lots of uh, work. It's an old man who's playing. He said, I don't, I'm not interested. No, please. At least you have uh, to, uh, to read at least 300, uh, uh, no, no, uh, 30 pages a day. Uh -huh. This is just enough, you wow. know, and you will read the story in 10 days. You have to do this. Yeah. And uh, just the girl, she's not only distributing book and forcing uh, them, uh, this person to take it, but she is expected, she comes back yeah. for this uh, on moon so for this uh for the impression which mm. the person has to write about the book so he oh, has like a book review book review book review book written report. by an adult yes and yeah. imagine that this is not a primary school right. kid this is adults uh, so again i'm not sure whether it is and apparently what we see from the film yeah. it's not to say that the person will be arrested for that or he will be demoted but the demotion is quite possible because mm -hmm. it is expected that because you are uh, this uh, kind of kanbu or yeah. this uh, just uh, little uh, low low level party cadre here you're expected to know all this stuff and if you don't know it means yeah. that you are not uh, you know, you don't have a uh, right to occupy this profession. So, mm. uh, and there's lots of uh, pressure, lots of force. But of course, it's not only the case. In North Korean, uh, North Korean films and books, they have their entertaining values, probably not as much, not as, uh, not as something that we get used to, but yeah. some books are really interesting. And probably this is my professional deformation. I don't know, uh, but I get used to reading of them, and some some of them I really really enjoyed reading yeah. them. It's one of the, of course, it's propaganda, but the propaganda is often uh, written in very funny way yeah. uh, and very entertaining way. One of my favorite books, uh, which I have recently read uh, last year, uh, it's a book Punsangye. Uh, so it's just a book about. Uh, Punsan dogs, yeah. uh, you know, by uh, Peck Myon Gil. This is a story uh, which is set in uh, colonial Korea about the Japanese who uh, try to eradicate, to destroy Korean breed of Korean Punsan dogs uh -huh. and how this 
breeders, Kunsan uh, dog breeders, try to hide these dogs and uh, you know to attack the Japanese. It's a big, uh, you know, it's a funny, funny historical fantasy. But I yeah. couldn't stop reading. It's so you know, it's just catching your attention all the time. It's, right. it's a funny thing. And also, there are such things as. You know, I'm not saying that North Koreans, they do not have uh, romance, for example. They have some romantic stories or uh, the book which I read with uh, really interest and pleasure. It was the book Kugija Kut. It's just uh, the flower of uh, Kugija. So this is the uh, the title, uh, this um, uh, the, the name of uh, Korean, uh, of, of Korean uh, you know, Korean berries. Uh -huh, yes. uh, yeah, and the story was, uh, this novel was written by Chon Hyun Chul. And like many interesting novels, they are based on documentary events. It's depict this uh, storyline about the woman uh, who during the RDS March adopted many kids mm. in her house. You know, it. This is really heroic story. This yeah. uh, this story of personal heroism because the the woman she took more than twenty children, uh, not all together. Some of them were older. Some grew up and left her house, and she took another one. So for all these years, she consistently took uh, kids into her house, the orphan kids, and took care of them. And this is really interesting story for me because when I read this, because uh, the story not only giving us some details about how people survived during the artist March, how uh, so all these uh, details of the social culture in North Korea at this time, how you you could, for example, where did you get all this, um, all the vegetables to make kimchi, how mm. people get this, uh, all this kind of, not drama, but epic story about, about the real life people, just yeah. real life. And also uh, the story, which is not, uh, though, of course, it contains some ideology, uh, some, some ideological uh, details, um, uh, just some ideological messages, of course, glory to the leader, uh, all these necessarily uh, necessary lines, but not all of them. It's just occasional. Mm -hmm. What is more important is just the way how this woman managed to uh, give, uh, just to bring up kids from very different backgrounds. Some of them yeah. were not uh, good ones. Some of them were from dysfunctional families, how she could, uh, you know, how she survived all this trial and mm. how difficult it was and uh, all her problems. This was really interesting story to me. Yeah. Uh, yes, and of course, some uh, novels, some, some com contemporary works, they uh, contain lots of lighthearted romance. Uh, just relatively by North Korean standards, of course. So yeah. when the young, they describe the life of young people, but the young people who have romantic, uh, just uh, romantic relationships and uh, so some lighter, uh, lighter stories. So they also exist and they are interesting to read too. Uh, so not without interest. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that's what I'm yes. saying. Now, mm -hmm. you, you live in, in South Korea, but you're able to get access to North Korean cultural products, some of them, of course, through university libraries, and some you mentioned already on the internet, on websites like Uriminzokiri. Um, I wonder how much North Korean cultural output is available to be seen by the outside world. Are there 
for example, books that are not intended to be exported or films that are only shown locally with a projector and not on television? Well, I do not know about this. I, I don't think that they they make any films like that. They, rather, they are interested in spreading their culture as far as possible. Mm -hmm. And probably we, we would probably find some culture which is more promoted outside the country than yeah. inside. Uh, yes, probably this is what I can say. Mm. Uh, for example, this film, which I referred to you uh, before, uh, the film of 2012, I haven't I wasn't able to find this on uh, on regular uh, regular airing uh, on TV mm. uh, on TV programs because North Koreans they normally demonstrate their films uh, their films through television but yeah. this film I have never seen this on television mm. and it means that it's probably not the simply a little bit discouraging local population to see this I again I do not know yeah. about that. But about this uh, availability of North Korean culture outside, it of course depends on the place where you live. If mm. you live in South Korea, it's a big, big problem. Yeah. Uh, but even outside, it could be a big problem too, because uh, many North Korean films uh, and documentaries about North Korean culture, they also have this. Uh, they try to use uh, the official sources like YouTube, for example. But yeah. YouTube, uh, sometimes they create the whole uh, the, the, this new uh, site. They create this new channel. Yeah. Uh, this they upload all this uh, all these films and materials. But this next day it will be closed by YouTube, yes. uh, prohibited by YouTube. And this is a hide and seek game actually. Mm. After a while, it will be it will appear again under the new title, <laughs> just under the, under the new name. Yeah. So actually, my uh, my uh, professional, um, just part of my professional activity is uh, going hunting or going fishing for this yeah, film. Right. Because every day you could find a new uh, channel. Uh, this channel can disappear tomorrow or yes. in two hours. So the moment you find something new, you yeah. have to stop. Uh, you you don't have. I don't go, go to sleep until right. I load all these new materials. Some of them are really new. Some of them are not. Yes, but. Yeah. Uh, this is really this hide and seek game. That's that's what I can say. But uh, yeah. in some countries like Russia, for example, it's easier to find all these um, materials. They're easier to get uh, something like Uri Minjokiri or mm -hmm. uh, our uh, just Korea Today. These are easier to get, but not in South Korea, of course. It's uh, this is the uh, additional additional limitations, additional prohibitions here. Right. Yes, it's extra hard to to get it here. Yes. Uh, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. As you mentioned, North Korea uh, exports some of its cultural products, uh, especially to ethnic Koreans who live in China and Russia and Japan. Do you think that the North Korean government seriously wants to convert ethnic Koreans to its beliefs and ideology through cultural products? Or is there another reason for this dissemination? You know, this I I'm, I think that the reasons are complex, actually, because on the one hand, we can see uh, just I judge by the tone of your question that you don't believe in that. And of course, we don't have reasons to believe that people in who live in a free world would ever care, uh, would ever catch uh, the bite of North Korean ideological propaganda. Yes, yeah. on the one hand. But on the other hand, North Koreans, they have experience. They have experience of catching such souls 
uh, all across the globe. We should, uh, we should not uh, forget about some people who, uh, for some personal reasons, they prefer uh, North Korean way, uh, or at least they uh, find this model attractive. Of mm. course, not to the extent that they would choose to leave uh, Japan or Russia and go to North Korea for permanent, just permanently. It's not this case, but yeah. Uh, still, uh, there were some cases in North Korea. We should remember that historical, uh, historical cases when uh, people indeed, uh, even those who lived very safe and prosperous life, they for some reason they choose this propaganda activity. Just uh, they they catch this propaganda activity. And the other thing is that I remember that one of my South Korean colleague who is very good, um, uh, who is very experienced in North Korea in general. He is North Korean specialist. I really mm -hmm. trust his, his expertise. Uh, once uh, we discussed uh, this national security law in South Korea, which prevents people from, uh, you know, from uh, getting, so, getting in touch with North Korean propaganda. And uh, me, like many foreigners, I asked him, you know, it's such a nonsense. Who will ever uh, read these novels? Who would ever, you know, watch these movies? Uh, come on, you know, it's, it's senseless. But he said, no, <laughs> you know, oh. you're not a Korean and you do not understand. And I believe that he is, he is correct because these propaganda activities, this propaganda works, they carry some, uh, some entertaining factor. They carry some, uh, some attractions mm. which people miss in South Korea or in Russia or wherever, you know, they, they have some attractions. Uh, they, uh, they have some attractions and this politically, from political point of view, these attractions could be dangerous. They could right. be dangerous for political stability of uh, South Korea. So I believe that he must be true. You know, he knows better mm. than me. Yeah, and indeed we have some, uh, and for example, uh, speaking of some uh, people who live in uh, Russia, for example, I remember my um, discussion, my uh, talks with uh, some Soviet Koreans, uh, Soviet or Russian Koreans, for that matter, many of them live very prosperous life, they yeah. very belong to quite prosperous uh, social layer uh, in Russia, but I noticed that many of them uh, feel such uh, just often express a little bit of uh, kind of attachment to North Korea, a, mm. a little bit like a, a kind of sympathy, yeah. empathy to them, because uh, the way how North Koreans treat uh, foreigners, the way how they, uh, how they nonchalantly, uh, you know, reject all these international laws and do whatever they want, sometimes this way admires people. Yes, oh. we, should, we should face it, yes, because it, and for these people who live a very prosperous, stable life, to them, North Korea presents a little bit interesting, mm -hmm, <laughs> interesting mm -hmm. thing, an interesting episode. And especially they providing this fact, which uh, what makes uh, North Korean case often more attractive than South Korean. Again, that's what I'm. That's what I can judge by my encounter with Russian Koreans. Uh, they often find it good for uh, or attractive from North Korean point of view, just from if compare South and North Korea, they often say that, oh, come on, South Korea is so westernized, it's so Americanized, it's so non-North Korean, but uh -huh. look at, not at South, uh, just South Koreans, they're so westernized, so, yeah. uh, so non-Korean, they're so unreal, uh, you know, not, not like normal Koreans, but look at uh, this authentic uh, authentic real Koreans, uh, 
like North Koreans are, etc. So right. they have yeah. such attractions. They have some attractions to uh, foreign, uh, foreign, foreigners as well. Especially those people who sometimes have can have middle uh, middle life crisis, right. uh, something like this. And to them, North Korea was all this, uh, you know unorthodox way of living, unorthodox uh, political uh, system, uh, it could be attractive. It could be interesting or just the matter of interest. What about here in, in South Korea? Uh, you know, obviously, for example, the website Uriminjokiri mainly targets uh, South Korea. And I imagine that, uh, you know, one possible uh, stated goal of, of uh, outlets like Uriminjokiri could be to to uh, to complete the unfinished revolution to unite the Korean Peninsula, uh, do, do you see any signs in South Korea that that propaganda is having any effect on South Korean people? You know, I just uh, actually the place where I live, you know, my my uh, immediate environment, they are more rightist. They are more very pro. South Koreans, so yeah. to speak. You know, all my academic colleagues, they're very rightist in their views. But uh, quite recently, I had uh, had an account, uh, just had a, a conversation, had an accountant with the person who uh, who belongs to general history, you know, who's just not uh, not North Korean historian, but just a Korean historian. And I, I was really shocked to find that how uh, how pro-North Koreans these people are. Oh. It's really pro-North Koreans. So uh, when uh, a person makes a presentation and he relies exclusively on Nodon Sun Moon and oh, all yeah. these official sources, to me, it was really funny because I think how how a nurse can you rely on North Korean sources without checking it at least, you know, yeah. for for truth, for even without an attempt to verify. But this unconditional support of this just unconditional belief uh, yeah. or in the sources, it was really shocking to me. Uh, but my other colleague said, "Come on, you are too. You live in too for too long. You live in kind of isolation because there is a big group of Koreans, histo Korean historians, who believe in all this stuff." Mm. And I was really shocked to know that this is not this famous generation uh, of um, uh, people who were born in 1960s and uh, were activists. Activist in, in the 80s, but uh, this word, uh, he was the much younger person. Oh. Uh, so apparently, this is, and of course, I do not know whether it is his own ideas, uh, this person's own ideas, or this environment, or is this North Korean propaganda, or probably it could be just kind of. Uh, some rejection or some kind of opposition to South Korean uh, local domestic uh, policy. Yeah. I do not know whether it was North Korean, um, so North Korean work of North Korean propaganda, or was it the person's own uh, conclusions? But uh, still, uh, that's what I found that uh, indeed people, the sympathizers uh, of North Korea inside South Korea, it's not, it's not a myth. Uh, as I used to think, because right. I, I used to think that mm. these people disappear. They, uh, North Korea proved itself wrong a long time ago. You know, it's it's so apparent that the life is, uh, you know, this social mo social model of South Korea is more, uh, you know, persuasive, etc. But this is not, and this is quite recent. My recent encounter, uh, yeah. encounter with this person, really, really surprising to me, but very common to people who know that. Mm. Yeah. 
Now, let's uh, finish up by talking uh, briefly about your most recent article for NK News, Too Good to be True, North Korean Films That Double as Propaganda for the South. Uh, in this article, you write that um, some North Korean portrayals of South Korean society uh, have changed in recent decades to more accurately reflect the fact that material wealth of South Korea is greater than that in North Korea. Uh, given that North Korea claims it is a paradise on earth, how does the North try to convince its own people that life is still better there, even though material conditions are quite good in the South? Uh, you know, it's not actually a recent decade. I'm, I'm sorry if, you, if I misled you a little ah. bit with my article, but the problem was that uh, the change to in the discourse, it happened not now, but uh, since uh, artists much uh, since 1990s, uh, when North Korea actually openly recognized that we have material economic problems. Mm. And since 1990s, it's not a secret that South Koreans live in better, and they never uh, hidden this fact in South Korean, uh, in their own propaganda. But uh, speaking of this prosperity, yeah. uh, we can, uh, the, be the best parallel to that is just the story of city mouse, country mouse, you know, this North Korea is kind of country mouse. So this, uh, which means that you may, uh, you may sleep on the straw bed and live in this quiet, uh, quiet place when there are no bright colors, et cetera, et cetera. But you live in peace with your neighbors. You are just people uh, who are in surrounding you. They are all friendly. We are all brothers. We don't have indecent, uh, just uh, this indecent wealth. And we don't have poverty. We don't have people who die on the streets, etc. So we live quiet communal life and we are happy together. But look at South Koreans. Mm. They are rich, uh, but uh, they hate each other. Uh, they are greedy. They are never, uh, you know, they, uh, they never stop uh, stop the greed, they never stop ur urging for more, uh, just uh, asking for more and more. Uh, they are greedy, they are unhappy, they have some people, make some people suffering, etc. They forget about their nature, uh, their uh, national interest, about their nationality, they all follow in uh, Western ways, etc., etc. So this is this is the contrast between South and North Korea. So mm -hmm. our life is more, just moral, and this is the devilish adaptation. So this is devil-like um, wealth which doesn't bring happiness to people. Yeah. So this is this is the way how it is presented, and in the film two other so two soldiers which I uh, cited in my article, uh, that was really. Uh, a really interesting uh, contrast between relations in South Korean and North Korean army, because the, this film is very army-centered. Uh, so the South Korean army, so people beat each other, mm. uh, these commanding officers shout uh, at the soldiers, they are all cruel, they hate each other, uh, so they this very inhumane relations, but between uh, North Koreans, uh, they, uh, so everybody believe in each other. And even uh, there, there was an episode in the film when the soldiers were taken to South Korea, their, their comrades uh, back in North Korea, they still serving uh, the dish 
for them uh, uh -huh. during the evenings when they so this dish is uh, just this uh, rice bowl is stayed uh, just to demonstrate that these our comrades are with us and of course they will never betray us and because we believe in them mm -hmm. and even this two soldiers they their relations they're not just friends uh, or one of them is a little bit more, uh, just a little bit, uh, kind of, um, just a little bit of commanding officer. I don't remember this uh, title. Yeah. Uh, so, and another is the regular soldier, and this commanding officer he's so emotionally, so touchingly careful for his uh, younger brother. Mm -hmm. He's so caring for him. He wants him to survive and. Uh, one of the uh, one of the psychological torture which he is exhibited uh, was uh, he's exposed by South Korean uh, by South Koreans. They uh, show him how this younger brother is tortured. It's uh, funny thing is uh, just it's very uh, very typical thing is that uh, it's even more painful to him that uh, the, the torture of himself. So oh. watching his younger brother because there's relations between these people. They're so close. They're so nice, etc. So this is a good, nice relation, good, friendly, like uh, just family-like relations. That's that's the thing which is on the other scale of the weight here. Yeah. And on the other scale, we see this greed, we see this wealth, we see this, uh, you know, girls who are dreaming about diamonds and furs, etc., etc. Yeah. So this this is the devil world and the heaven. Uh, so that's that's how it is compared. In, in this movie, what is it that provides the antidote to the seduction of wealth and good-looking women that are available to North Korean soldiers? You know, this is interesting thing is that uh, when they made this film, uh, they did not include uh, any visions. This is the two films which I analyze and typical uh uh, typical fact is that in both films they didn't pre present this good uh, good North Korean girl who would be waiting for the boys yeah. back in North Korea so, so this nice and modest and uh, moral girl or something yes. like this who would be exemplary worker or whatever. With her hair tied back. <laughs> yes, 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 just, uh, just a very modest nice girl. No, they didn't do this at all, but instead uh, they didn't use uh, this uh, feature at all, but instead they used uh, the motif of love to the leader. And of course, it may sound funny to us, but uh, the way how it was presented in the film, I have to admit that it was really good, uh, mm. you know, really psychologically interesting, because in North Korea in 1990s, they created this quite famous, uh, famous song, uh, There is no motherland without you. Oh, yes. uh, we've heard about this, uh, you know, yeah. uh, so normally the, the way how they present this, uh, this song, uh, you know, in YouTube, you can find it. It's a little bit like much like songs. So mm. this uh, emotional, uh, just not emotional, but this militarized style song. But in this film, uh, we see uh, that two actors who play the major role, uh, the first, the major actor is uh, Ri Yong-ho. It's a sex, a sex symbol of North Korea at mm. the time, the guy who played the role of uh, Hong Gildon uh, in North Korea. So the, the most handsome North Korean possible. So he yeah. plays the role of this ordinary soldier. 
And uh, so this was interesting contest between South and North Korea. So when um, South Koreans wanted to lure him into their tenets, uh, they uh, play some kind of trot, some uh, love song, uh, mm -hmm. you know, performed by these uh, pretty girls, uh, etc. All, uh, you know, in all this sparkly dress, etc., etc. But he instead he took the guitar and he began to play the song uh, "There's No Motherland Without You." Ah, yes. And he plays this in such a touching way because I think that this first time I felt the attraction of this song because. Mm -hmm. Uh, this mm. is the song which is performed not as the much like style, but as the very lyrical. It's just the the other way to present the song. It's a very yeah. lyrical song, and you see this very handsome face of Ryong Ho, and you see the handsome face of his younger soldier who together they play the song in very emotional, uh, emotional way. And I would like to say that this episode is really good. It, mm. it serves as a counterbalance. And when I'm saying good, I'm not. I do not mean my own intention. If you find this, uh, if you find this episode on YouTube, you will find lots of very positive comments from the Westerners. Uh -huh. uh, some people say, "Come on, this is why communists create such a beautiful nostalgic song. What the song is about?" <laughs> some people do not know yeah. what this song is about. So there are lots of very positive comments behind. Uh, so, just so that movie is able to be uh, seen on the internet on YouTube, is yes, that right? Yes, on YouTube, and especially that was the uh, not the whole song, uh, not the whole film, of course, but right. uh, somebody made a little bit, uh, you know, ah, just a clip. Just the clip they, yeah. they make the clip from the song, uh, the clip of Ryun Ho, who's who's singing the song with his manly, beautiful voice, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, just presented, and this is really touching. So, and you see that uh, at least uh, at least the attention uh, propagandistic intention of uh, intention of this film was to present that on the one hand you see all this fleshy girls you have all this uh, you know all this uh, big sum of money etc etc but on the other hand we see brother relations we see love we see uh, connection we see trust of yeah. people uh, between each other and this is so nice etc so mm. this is at least uh, this is on the one hand it's consumerist uh, pattern and on the other hand we see this spiritual wealth of the country that's how they try to counterbalance it yeah well that that's very interesting um i just to remind our listeners again you can find that article by tatiana on nknews.org it's called too good to be true north korean films that double as propaganda for the south and it was just uploaded on the website a few days ago on november 12th uh, you can also find on the website Tatiana's uh, previous articles, uh, including from October 10th, a very interesting one called Jesters in the King's Service, Stand-Up Comedy in North Korea. Uh, unfortunately, we've run out of time. We won't be able to speak about that one today. Uh, are you able to give us a, a preview about a topic of your next column, Tatiana? Well, there were many of them. <laughs> I don't remember exactly. Right. Okay. Uh, probably, probably I will write about this uh, this film. Uh, now, no, I'm I'm writing about North Korean culture for kids. Uh, you know this idea. Uh, rather, it's uh, uh, this is propaganda leaders' propaganda idealization. Yep. Idealization of leader. Uh, 
uh, in North Korean culture for kids. So oh, how, that's interesting. So kids are getting used to this. Yes, just kids show, right. uh, show uh, just show for kids, uh, TV TV show for kids. Okay. Yeah, that's, well. that's one of that, that's one of the things. Yeah. We'll have to watch out for that article. Uh, well, I want to mm -hmm. thank you once again for coming on the show today, Tatiana Gabrosenko, and we look forward to having you on again on a future episode uh, to talk about the latest happenings in the North Korean cultural world. Thank you for coming on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you already have an NK News subscription, take a look at our NK Pro platform, which offers unparalleled services specifically catered to the needs of professionals who monitor developments on the Korean Peninsula. You can inquire about access at membership at nknews.org today. Also, if you have any feedback or questions or guest recommendations, please send them to podcast at nknews.org. Our thanks, as always, to Arias Dare and Brian Betts for facilitating the podcast and to Gabby Magnuson, our post-recording producer genius. Thanks for listening and listen again next time. <laughs>